Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served the Valley for decades because they have done a great job over the years of not only finding the right insurance, auto, home, life, business, or it could be uh, a bundle, but they've also done a great job of finding the right price because they know that's important to you as well. They're pros, pros when it comes to Insurance, Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day, a Penn State victory Saturday at the Belmont. And they're into the stretch of the Belmont, and Tis the Law has taken charge. Set down in the final furlong by Manny Franco. Tis the Law's got a two-length lead. Dr. Post has moved up on the outside into second. Pneumatic is third, but it is the New York hero, Tis the Law, and Manny Franco to win the Belmont Stakes. Larry Colmus with the call on NBC. I said a Penn State victory because the trainer of Tis the Law is Barkley Tag. Penn State class is 61. Very pleased to be joined by Tim McManus. Tim, how have you been? We hope you and yours are safe and sound. Yeah, everybody's doing well. Thank you for asking. How about you guys? We're doing very well. Thank you for asking. We appreciate that. Uh, Tim, let's talk about about Brooks. That that was a tough one. What kind of blow is that up front for the uh, for the Eagles? I mean, you can't really oversell how how important Brandon Brooks has been to that offensive line. He has been not just steady, but dominant as the right guard. Pairing alongside Lane Johnson at right tackle, I mean, that's arguably the best right side in the entire NFL. They also work off of one another extraordinarily well, and so to, to lose Brooks is to say that the offensive line for the Eagles is going to be worse in 2020. I guess if there's a bright side here, it's if you're going to have a position go down along the offensive line, you could argue that guard is probably the, the position that you would say uh, that you would want to have happen if one were to happen. I mean, tackle's tough, center's tough to replace, and so they, they're going to try their best to, to patchwork it. Uh, but, you know, Carson Wentz, uh, you know, is, is definitely not better off for Brandon Brooks being down. You said patchwork. I mean, what what are some of the potential options there? Well, they're exploring a multitude of options right now, and they haven't really taken anything off the table in terms of something that they could do in-house is have Matt Pryor step in. Now, he was the guy that, that stepped in during the, the Seahawks yeah. playoff game and did pretty well in Brooks' absence. And if they want to go outside, I don't think that they're going to be spending big money. I mean, they're already kind of conscious of the cap in 2021, so I don't think you're going to be seeing a splash move there. Uh, but one possibility is bringing back Jason Peters into the fold uh, because that would serve 
two purposes for you. One, his, he stated last summer that he would at least be open to the idea of playing guard in the twilight of his career, so maybe he offers a solution there. And the other part of that is Andre Dillard is taking over for him presently at left tackle, and this would give the Eagles an insurance policy in case Dillard uh, you know, doesn't kind of live up to it. And so, uh, so I think that's one thing that at least remains on the table, and we'll see which direction the Eagles choose to go in. Uh, are you surprised in any way that Jason Peters is not a part of the fold yet, or is it really expected that it would take, you know, they'd, they'd make a decision later that rather than sooner? No, I, I'm not all that surprised. I mean, you know, yeah. football is still a little ways off, and, and we don't know when football exactly is going to resume or what it's going to look like. And, and I think when they originally decided that they were going to let, let Peters test free agency, it was with the idea that he was going to sign with another team and they were going to try to move forward with their former first-round pick and Dillard at left tackle. And now you know, the situation is, is different. I mean, because you lost the guard and because Peters to this point remains on the market, that was a little bit unexpected. And so I think what happens is if, if it gets to a point, I know that Peters wants to be here, and if it gets to the point where it makes sense for the Eagles financially, and, and now even more so from a football perspective, I mean, that increases the odds that something could happen. Uh, okay, so when you look at the Eagles going into this camp, just give me just a general idea. What do you like and what would make you uneasy? And we know, obviously, outside of COVID, COVID is going to make everybody uneasy. But, I mean, I'm talking personnel-wise. Sure. Well, I think one thing is, uh, you know, generally speaking, it appears that they are better in the skill position players uh, than they were from a year ago. That's in part because Sean Jackson is coming back healthy and also because they invested, whether it be Marquise Goodwin or, or using a first-round pick on Jalen Rager at wide receiver. Looks like they have beefed that up, which which should mean that a more explosive offense for Carson Wentz to use. And, and Miles Sanders is really coming into his own and I think you know is on a star trajectory in this league. And so I think offense you have to generally even with this Brooks injury feel pretty good about where they are and I would say that you know the defensive secondary it's almost like they gave some up but they also lose some in terms of uh, on the back end with Malcolm Jenkins going to the Northern Saints I mean he's not just the, the defensive backfield leader or the defensive leader I mean he was the team leader and so how do you replace that but on the positive side you have Darius Slay coming over for Detroit which should right. make your cornerback situation a little bit better and so as, there's a couple positions that are up in the air uh, safety being one of them linebacker being another uh, but I think that overall they they stack up pretty well with the rest of the NFL in terms of overall talent and roster building. I get different opinions about Andre Dillard. What's yours? Uh, my opinion is that he had an, an up-and-down first season. And when I talk to people in the building, you have varying opinions on kind of how he's going to pan out or whether he's ready. And there are definitely people inside the building that have their concerns about whether he is ready and ready whether he is the man uh, to kind of be at left tackle, you know, for the considerable future. So I would say that everyone agrees that the talent is there. That you know, that these kinds of talents are are not uh, all that abundant, and that he has a skill set, especially as a pass protector, that you have to be encouraged by. 
and that are hard to find. But at the same time, whether he has this sort of aggressive mentality to be a long-term fixture as an outstanding left tackle is still to be determined. So it sounds like he's, he's added some uh, weight and muscle this offseason, which will help cure one of his biggest problems last year, which was overall strength to be expected coming out of college to a certain degree. And uh, this is kind of a, a huge year. Um, and also, you know, it's he's getting thrown out there being Carson Wentz's blind side. So, um, you know, so it's a bit of a gamble, but uh, I guess the, the, uh, the stronger voices in the room believe that he can make a leap in year two, and they're going to put their faith in that. All right, so this is a year with, uh, with no OTAs, many camps, anything like that. If everything goes according to schedule, late in July, they'll get to report. What kind of test is this going to be? Should everything go okay? And we have to preface it with that. What kind of test is this going to be to the need for OTAs and minicamps? I think that's a good question. I mean, one thing that I've I've spent part of this offseason doing is talking to trainers that are, are with these guys during the course of the offseason, and, and there's been caution that has come out of, of the majority of them about this kind of ramp-up period that we could end up seeing in uh, late July into the season, and that's that these guys have had a very untraditional offseason that they ha- even the ones that have been training rigorously still haven't been training up to their normal standards that would they would get with a more kind of constructed off season. And so I think that the one thing that you have to worry about, not just with the the COVID stuff, but but for, but physically from a health perspective, and how many guys you can kind of get to the starting line, and how careful you're going to have to be. And the second part of that is chemistry. And I think that you are going to see kind of a, a sloppier product to start because you had the absence of of any kind of formal get-togethers this offseason. And I think from the Eagles' perspective, maybe they have a bit of a leg up, and I know that certainly they feel like they do uh, because they're the only team in the NFC East that has a returning head coach and coaching staff. Uh, the right. other three teams change their coaching personnel, uh, and so they feel like that's going to be a benefit to them in this very unusual offseason. Yeah, no question. Uh, no question about that. They, they do have that stability and the stability of quarterback as well. So when you look at I want to ask about Jalen Hurts. This is an interesting case because it sounds like Doug wants to play him in some capacity. How did you view Jalen Hurts and what do you think he can do? I was definitely surprised by the pick. Uh, I still have some concerns as to how it's going to play in a in a city like Philadelphia that is just uh, so media intensive if uh, Wentz ends up having you know a, a bad game or two and Jalen Hurts comes in in some kind of capacity and really lights it up then uh, you know is there going to be even if it's a media born controversy is there going to be one so there are some potential pitfalls from this move I think the upside for them is that it gives them uh, you know a, a quarterback that they really think has a high ceiling that can develop under Carson Wentz and they won't be caught flat footed if if Wentz goes down to injury. They feel like they kind of got away from having that strong stability at the number two quarterback position over the last year or so, and they want to uh, try to get back to that spot. And they do envision a role to some degree. And and the the two people that Doug Peterson has mentioned when talking about this would be Taysom Hill from New Orleans and Lamar Jackson his, his first year in Baltimore when Joe Flacco was the starter and kind of using him, whether it's in a, you know, a two quarterback look where you, 
go in there in a wildcat situation or uh, and you have Carson Wentz kind of flank out wide. I mean, I think they're going to flirt with those kind of looks. Now, this this bizarre offseason, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be a little bit behind, so maybe does it shorten some of that? Possibly, but I, but they are looking to implement him as a weapon into the offense his first year. Does it do anything having him there as a takeaway from potential touches for a guy like Miles Sanders? I don't think to any meaningful degree. Okay. I, they they view Sanders as a guy that they want to get the ball in his hands as much <laughs> as possible. And Sanders wants to be that Christian McCaffrey heavy workload out of the out of the backfield, both as a runner and a pass catcher. And I think that they're going to feature him. And so it would probably be more in spots for Hertz where you wouldn't see a huge takeaway from Sanders. There was some talk by some teams that maybe they'd like to push the NFL season back to say October 8th. I mean, some, not many, but some. Which seems to go counter to what we've heard about warm weather versus cold weather. A, did you hear anything about that? And B, what would your reaction be to it? No, I haven't heard anything, uh, you know, definitively on that front. You know, what I've heard so far from players is that they've been told, you know, late July, you know, one player mentioned the 28th and another one uh, or two, the 31st of, of when they're, you know, scheduled to report. And I think at least that was the mindset of recently is they were going to try to, you know, get back to camp and see how it goes. But as we know, it's 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 a very... Uh, you know, it's an up-in-the-air situation that nobody has the answer to. Will the season go off? When will it go off? I mean, I can't pretend to know that answer because I don't think anybody has that answer <laughs> right now. So all no. things are really on the table. And, and if you have to push it back a little bit, uh, you know, to your point, you run into the colder weather, the talk of a potential second wave. I mean, I think any way you slice it, it's going to be, uh, you know, a huge undertaking to get an, the NFL season off and have it last throughout its entirety. I mean, I we know the dynamics that are at play, the difficulty with the, the number of positive tests that have already appeared from small gatherings of NFL players and, and college football players. And so I think that you know, this is something that they're going to try uh, to be as safe as possible to, to have a football season, but uh, you know, knowing that they're going to have to be you know, very uh, loose in terms of uh, their flexibility uh, to make sure that, that health and, uh, the, and right judgment kind of leads the way. How often would they be tested, Tim? Do you have any idea? Uh, so there's been some talk about that. Of, you know, I think that at least once a week. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it were a little bit more. I don't know if it's hard and firm that they've come up with that number, but I, but I think that especially for these kind of top tier, and you, you, you've seen the reports of how the, the personnel is going to be in, in tiers of players and coaches at the first one, and it goes down from there in terms of, who's going to be allowed to be around these guys and, and how much contact they're allowed to have. And I think the, the more essential personnel in terms of on the, on the football field, I, can, I would expect frequent testing that would probably be at least once a week. You know, what's interesting about this is that you and I, of course, working in sports all the time, we pretty much know whether it's a clock or whether it's a race. We know where the finish line is. We have no idea where any line is right now. <laughs> no idea <laughs> no, where any line no. is. No, you're right, and you know, with the NFL, it's they've had to, you know, since since uh, you know all this stuff came out from a health perspective. I mean, they're they've been able to keep 
you know, their their primary dates kind of intact with their off-season events. Yes. Uh, they've had to change them, obviously, but, you know, the free agency still went off and the, and the draft went off. And, um, and now they're at least hoping that late summer still spells their training camp, and even though their, their virtual off-season was, was much different. Uh, but now, yeah, we're getting to the point where it's supposed to be it's, – it's getting real. And you're supposed to have 90-plus, ro- you know, 90-man rosters all on the field together in, in pretty short amount of time. Um, what is a very uncertain environment. So you're right. I mean, you know, we, the, where's the starting line? Where's the finish line? I mean, that's a, that's a day-by-day question. It sure is. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. Hey, st- stay safe and sound. We will come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by our good friends. At Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Well, I know uh, we're getting always getting a lot of numbers all the time. But the suit showed up for work, and I think that's a sign. I don't know what it's a sign of. Matt's trying to interpret. <laughs> it could be many different signs, that's why. It's awfully bold of you to say that, Matt. He's in the same building with you. <laughs> I actually had somebody. I'm sorry, it was Gary Goloshevsky. Saw Gary on Saturday. The curator of the Tomograph tailgate, I might add. And he mentioned that we have mentioned the suit. He wanted to know exactly how much money suit like gave him for Father's Day. I said, most dads? I said, most dads don't want anything from their kids. Nothing. He demanded cash. I think it's I think that's a that's a message to you as a new father. Duly noted. You know, I'm here. I'm here to have your back. It is very important to learn from others' mis- mistakes. <laughs> Always appreciated. And as you pointed out to me, the dynamic between suit and suit light is an interesting one. It's an interesting dynamic. That is correct. This is a chance for 
Suit Light to give back for all he's received. Just a thought. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm glad you had a great Father's Day. It was your first Father's Day yesterday. Yes, it was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, you probably had to look at that little guy, and boy, how much for the better your life has changed, huh? He is Every going day. to be. He is going to be six months old in what July one would be six months, right? Yep, a week from this Wednesday. How about that? For people like, oh, how does Steve know that? He's born December, th- okay? He's just, January one was his birthday, okay? Early in the morning, okay? I'm not a genius here. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not sort of some sort of savant that memorized uh, Luke Joseph's birthday here. It's not that difficult. <laughs> and not to toot my own horn or my wife's horn, but uh, the New Year's baby as well at Evan. I know the first the first one of the year. Yep. Yes. Of 2020. And look how the year's gone. All right, so. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. Strange dynamic, but hey, personally, it's been a good one. Oh. He's adorable. He's adorable. Mark Brennan, next half hour. To let you know how much time flies, Mark's daughter, Grace just graduated from state high she's going to penn state i remember when gracie was born that's good work on her dad's part to get her to commit to penn state well done (laughs) well you know what's interesting is that uh i was talking with maddie holmberg the all-american track at penn state was going to take a sixth year. Her dad, Rob, played football here at Penn State, then went on to play in the NFL with the Raiders, among some other teams. Beautiful. She was not a lock when she came out of high school to come here. Interesting, huh? How about that? There you go. Sometimes, sometimes that happens. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. The Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And you can go to sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory, all at sunburymotors.com. Get the process started from the comfort of your own living room or in the back corner office, whatever it may be. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. You can get the right insurance. You're completely covered. You can, whether it's auto home life business, you're going to get the best price. Maybe it's a bundle, and they will take really, really great carrier policy, impeccable. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. All right. So let's bring in Mark Brennan now from Fight on State 24-7 Sports. Mark, welcome back. Always great to have you with us. 
I am. It's great to be here. And uh, if anybody hasn't read the George Paterno book, uh, I thought that was fantastic. I mean, there there were so many great stories in yes. there about Jake LaMotta and Yul Brenner and yep. it's not just a football book. There's it's an older book now, and some of it may be dated, but um, you know, boy, how much do I miss? Uh, how much do I miss George? He was just awesome on all the football road trips. Yeah, he really was, and it, he and Fran would hold court. Yep. At the bar, um, I know you're surprised at the location, uh, but <laughs> well, I tell people, Steve, that when when Penn State first joined the Big Ten, you know, you remember that Penn State went for, the beat writers went from where you would be driving to most of the away games because most of them were relatively close. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, you're flying to Minneapolis, you're flying yeah. to Iowa. You're flying all these different places, and it was really different. And as a writer, you're kind of traveling by yourself, and you would get to the team hotel on Friday, and you didn't know a soul in town, but you knew if you headed to the hotel bar that there would be two friendly faces sitting there. And I I will tell you that George and Fran, at the time I was working at Blue White Illustrated, and they treated me as if I was the writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Ray yeah. Carrillo, or Sports Illustrated. They didn't care. They, if you were a writer, if you were a media person, if you were fair, uh, they were good people, and they treated and, and fans. I mean, it was yeah. unbelievable. Fans would come in and they would socialize. It was, uh, you know, I'm sorry I went off, but no. Anytime it, somebody brings up George, I uh, that guy really held a place in my heart and still does. And the same with Fran, obviously. They're, the, they're two of the greatest ambassadors that the football program, the athletic department, and the university ever had. Because they had, the, George, they had the direct contact with, 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 with people, with the common man, with a, with a donor. Yep, it was unbelievable. And, and the other fun part was uh, when Joe held his get-togethers with the media on Friday <laughs> night, George was really the only one who could really get on him. You know, it's not that, it's not that as media people – you know, we could be we could be critical of this or that, and uh, he was open to that sort of thing. But George could really ride him. You know, I think Joe had had garnered a level of respect from everybody that we weren't really going to bust him the way we would our our, our personal friends. Right. Uh, but but George had absolutely no 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 trouble doing it, and it was really fun to see. Yeah, I mean. They definitely were brothers, okay? <laughs> it's a, oh, my God. And the brothers could needle each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why it was fun then when when uh, Joe would come on and do the blue-white game. And oh, then yeah. he had both of them on the air at the same time. And it's like, listen, people should listen to the Penn State football broad- radio broadcast all the time. You know, you guys do a tremendous job. But that was absolutely <laughs> must-listen because you had them going at each other, arguing about who's eating what and, and the fullback. And it was it was, it was tremendous. I, I, hope, I wish those things were on tape somewhere because uh-huh. I would go back and I would actually listen to those old blue-white game broadcasts with those two guys going at it. The, the, I mean, it really was actually broadcast gold. It really was. Yeah, it was unreal. Yeah. Uh, you've had a chance, Mark, to talk with some of the players along with the uh, others on the beat. Uh, what's been your primary take from the players that you know, uh, where you've learned a little bit more, you have a little more insight into them, especially a couple of guys that haven't really talked before? Yeah, I, you know, one thing, Steve, that I would say is that th- these players, a lot of them have been confronted with very difficult topics in the last few weeks. Yes, and 
I think if you're a Penn State fan and you go and look at some of these Zoom calls that either we've posted or that others have posted, listen, the way they have handled it as young adults, I mean, these guys are addressing very difficult topics. They're not ducking from them. You know, if you have not seen, if you're a Penn State fan, and you have not seen P.J. Mustafer's Zoom call with the media, <laughs> I am telling you to go watch that because yeah. you are, you're going to learn a lot. You are going to learn a lot and not about football. You're going to learn what it's like for a young person of color in, in, in this nation, and I don't want to make things political, and he didn't make it political. No, he just talked. He just explained things, and I, I, I was thinking, as I'm sitting there listening, I'm thinking, my goodness, when I was 19 or 20 years old, I, 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 don't, I, I could barely hold a conversation with some, somebody if they asked to, me to, 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 to be in front of the media. I don't know what I would have done. And these guys, you know, Keaton Ellis was tremendous. I mean, all these guys have been, you know, Sean Clifford was tremendous talking from his perspective. I think all these guys have just been great in that. So it's one of these things where sometimes, a ter- in a terrible situation, a difficult situation. I don't want to say a terrible situation, but I think there's some difficulties for people, and our country is working through some necessary difficulties, in my view. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see the way these young people are addressing it, wow. And, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I also have to say, you know, if you haven't seen C.J. Thorpe's speech, I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I was just blown away by that as well. So I could just, I can only imagine, as somebody who has a daughter who's going to be at Penn State next year, I can't imagine the level of pride the parents have in the way that these guys are conducting themselves. I almost said kids, and that's not fair to do in this instance because these are young men talking about difficult things. Right. So that's a little bit of a soapbox speech. But I do think the having these guys available, you know, it just goes to show you the, the one criticism – and I'm going to go back a little bit. One criticism I ever had with Joe with the media was that sometimes after tough games, he didn't let his players talk. Right. He did, and his rationale was, well, listen, if you have tough questions, hit me with them. And, and that was well-meant. That was well-meaning. Mm-hmm. But I think what it took away from, and I think we've learned this by and large with Penn State football players over the years, when they're in difficult situations – these kids can handle themselves. You know, we saw it earlier last decade when some difficult things hit, and now we're seeing these kids. I mean, it's, that's if you're a Penn State fan, you have to take a ton of pride. Listen, enjoy the wins. You know, enjoy the bowl games. Enjoy all of that. But I think at the end of the day, you really do have to take a lot of pride in what these kids, these young men, are all about, and I could say kids because I'm old enough that they are still, you know, <laughs> kids, and I have a kid in that that age range. But you know what I'm talking about? These young guys, great representatives. Yeah, because I know that at the quarterback club, you end up with 24 players during the course of a season. So yeah. essentially, you get one fifth of the football team. Yeah, and it's a cross right thing of every of, of of all different races and and backgrounds and ages and you name it and when the season is done the fan base and it's not a small group there's a, there's anywhere from 400 to 600 people in that room in a given week they're blown away by these young people yeah. they're blown away by the intelligence their interests how articulate they are 
Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, what their majors happen to be, why they were interested in their major, about their families, about their backgrounds. I haven't even gotten. To, have I mentioned football yet? Right. Exactly. I haven't even talked about the football part. I mean, PJ Mustver gets up there last year, and one of his hobbies is he loves to debate. Okay. <laughs> has anybody there you go. has anybody in the room heard that one before? No, uh, because well, that's, it's, that... they're, it's, it is they are young people of incredible diverse interests that come together for a common cause on a Saturday. Well, and one of the tricks to, to doing what what I do, you know, uh, working with a site that's Penn State specific, and. You know, I've told this before, and and you know, I'm not sure if we've ever discussed it. But when there's like something like Penn State Media Day, you know, everybody's crowding around the veteran player, and I just think that's the wrong thing to do. And you know, to me, I pick out the young guys. Mm-hmm. You know, that people don't necessarily know. I mean, I remember talking to Daryl Clark when everybody was was around uh, Morelli. Right. You know, and nobody was talking to Daryl Clark. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, what a fascinating guy. And I got a one-on-one with him. Uh, I talked to K.J. Hamler a couple years ago. Nobody was around him. Went over. You know, turns out he's a big Looney Tunes fan. Uh, talked to C.J. Thorpe a couple years ago. Even in the recruiting process, when you go to camps and stuff, uh, Nike camps and whatnot, you have a chance to talk to these guys when they're younger. And that's the interesting part about it. So I always try to seek out, hey, where is there not a big group of people interviewing necessarily, and how could you get to know some of these guys at a little bit different level? I'm not, I'm not saying we're ever going to be friends or that sort of thing, but I am saying you could get to know them a little bit, and then they get to know you. You know, not necessarily by name, but it's like, hey, that's that guy who wrote the story on, you know, K.J. Hamler and the Looney Tunes. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Or their parents know it. So well, well, exactly. I think that part of it's cool. Well, I think it's it's in a situation like that, it's more of a relaxed atmosphere. And, Absolutely. And, and they're more willing to talk. And I think also another key, too, is that when you put together a story, and it's a story that it turns out well, then trust is developed. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. The trust part is is very important, and especially for young people, the trust is very important because, you know, sometimes you know they're not sure how it's going to come out, so they're a little more measured. If they trust you a little bit more, they'll talk to you more. Yeah, that's the one thing we kind of miss at this point, though, is uh, you know, live for life. Uh, it's so I'm yeah. so it, it's disappointing they're not going to have that because that was always a great time to talk to some guys and see them in a different kind of light but from what i understand that i don't know if people saw they had obviously canceled penn state live for life this year but i think keep your ears open uh i think there's going to be some stuff coming from uplifting athletes about ways uh creative ways i don't know all the details but i would just keep your ears open you know early next week i think some things may be coming out how people could help that that outfit and when it does we'll, we'll talk about it at that point and promote it uh, July 24th, if you're backtracking on the six weeks, would be the time the coaches get to go out there and be a part of uh, and working with uh, their athletes. What will be the importance for Penn State, especially after not having a spring practice, for these coaches now to have the opportunity to work with them on a, on a field? Well, I think it's going to be huge, especially for the offense, because you have so different coaches so many new faces there, a new offensive coordinator. So I think the fact 
that listen you could only do so much and, and the coaches and players have admitted this you could only do so much virtually uh that i think to actually to, I, I think it's a good window Penn State, I think this is a good situation because I think it's going to be enough time where they are going to be able to make up for some lost time. So I think that's big. But one thing I would also like to say, Steve, is that I think the players or the, the programs with great strength and conditioning pro, uh, coaches, yes. I think they're going to be ahead of the game. I really no doubt. do. No. And, uh, you know, I know this is like uh, I'm being Mr. Super Positive, but I am telling you, Dwight Galt, if somebody knows how to get through this, at the most efficient way possible, Deej is the guy. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm just telling you. I mean, any for people who haven't had an opportunity to talk to him again, I would tell you look up interviews with this guy because uh, he comes across as just a friendly kind yeah. of shuck sort of guy. But don't let that fool you. That guy is as, as important to that program. Oh my goodness, yes. As, as anybody, and I would say including the head coach, seriously. And that's not a knock on James Franklin. I'm just saying that what your strength staff has the ability to work with these guys year-round outside of pandemics, yep. uh, and they, they're with them all the time. And they could serve as that kind of liaison with the on-field coaching staff. Right. So I think having that, you know, that guy head up your coaching staff and the veteran coaching uh, strength coaches they have, uh, I think that's big for Penn State, right. uh, it, you know, now as we're going right. through this process. Uh, yeah, Coach Earl, Alvin, Chuck, to go with yeah, Dwight all Gall, and all those guys, uh, vitally important. Uh, what were your thoughts on hearing that college basketball can get back to uh, work on July 20th? I, you know, I think it's good. I, you know, I think with like with everything else, though, we have to take all of it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, let, let let's knock on wood and hope that things continue to go down. But who knows if and when it can change? But I think for now, it, it's really good. And you know, one thing that I've mentioned, Steve, is that I, I'm really hoping that they're able to figure out a way to play Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, they're starting to work NASCAR back to having fans. Yes. And maybe I'm saying this in a selfish way, but hopefully college football and college hoops are able to see some other people go through, some other sports right. go through this. Yep. And, you know, again, knock on wood, let's hope everything's safe. Let's hope everything goes right. well. But if things don't or there are mistakes, you know, hopefully these other sports down the road are able to learn from all of them. But, you know, the first thing first, let's hope that everybody at any of these sporting events is safe. But you think about NASCAR, and to me, you can make a real apples-to-apples comparison with college football because you have these huge venues. It's once a week. You have people coming into Mm -hmm. uh, some of these areas from, you know, all over multiple different states. So I think that's a real – there's a real correlation – and I am really keeping an eye on NASCAR. I usually don't keep that close of an eye, but to see how they're able to go in terms of slowly but surely adding fans back, I think that's something right. that, if you're a football fan, keep an eye on that. I think it's very important. Yeah, the, because the PGA Tour at the Memorial outside of Columbus up in Dublin, they're going to allow 8,000 fans in next month. That will be, the, it's an outdoor event, but it's, I think it, it'll give us an indicator of where things are going. So. Yeah, slowly but surely, yeah. and I, and I, and I, you know, and they build up to the point where you could get however many fans. And that, uh, listen, at the end of the day, all that matters is everybody's safety. Yes. If we can do this 
you know, safely get fans in stadiums, great. If not, you know, let's go with what the doctors say. But I do think it's a benefit for college football especially, uh, and then ultimately basketball, that some of these other sports are maybe ramping up a little sooner. Mark, always a pleasure. Appreciate the time very much. Very much. Absolutely, Steve, anytime. And I appreciate your help on that little project that we put together. It went over extremely well. So thank you very much. Uh, Everybody loved it. It was my pleasure to do that. My pleasure. See you guys. Mark Brennan, Fight on State, 24-7 Sports. We'll wrap it up in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. We continue to listen to the recommendations from federal, state, and local experts, including the Center for Disease Control, concerning efforts to limit the spread of coronavirus. During this time, our office remains operational and available to service our current and new clients. Our employees will be available by phone at 570-286-5855, as well as email, and have access to our systems to continue to conduct business. Please know that our after-hours emergency service will continue to be available. Based on the recommendations from federal, state, and local experts, our building will be closed to the public during these extraordinary times. Our employees will be working from home to practice social distancing so we can do our part to keep our staff and community as safe and healthy as possible. Please be advised that all face-to-face meetings will be discontinued in favor of conducting business via phone or email. At this time, we ask that you be safe, be well, and be kind, and know that your Purdy Insurance team is committed to the highest levels of service and is only a phone call away. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right. Today, you get a little storm rolling through here, by the way. Uh, the uh, See uh, it, how far it makes it, by the way, to uh, whether it gets a sunbury or not. But, yeah. More coming up on tomorrow. We're going to talk about the Bubba Wallace situation tomorrow. And, you know, when you look at that, you know, you have so many people who are trying so hard to make things right. And it's amazing how someone of complete or a group of complete and absolute ignorance just takes it all and tries to flush it down the drain. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Great support, by the way, that he received. From the other drivers, from everybody.
Today's show has been brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com.